boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of the Chocolate Puma Podcast. It is I, your boy, the Chocolate Puma, back with another great episode. Uh, before I get into this week, uh, just a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, feel free to email the show at thepumapod at gmail.com. You can also rate, review, and subscribe to us. That way you found us, you don't want to lose us got great stuff coming up, just like this episode. Uh, The NBA playoffs has just ended, so I got two of my favorite people in the world to talk sports with uh, on. We got Jason Dime, who was on a few weeks ago, and if you've listened to the episode uh, where I spoke to Sterling, you've probably heard us talk quite a bit about this gentleman making his podcast debut. My boy, Killer K from the Bay. So, I give to you Jason Dime, Killer Carl, as we discuss NBA basketball. Enjoy. All right. So, the bubble is over. The championship has been decided. Lakers have pulled it off. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts? Biggest winners of the NBA, right? The bubble success story. That's the biggest winner, right? Gotta be. (laughs) Gotta be. Um, And then LeBron, man, the quest for greatness continues, right? Yeah, and I feel like LeBron winning has brought out some of the worst basketball takes I've ever seen in my life. Today, I thought I was going to have to strangle no less than six people uh, (laughs) who came up to me and called LeBron a loser. And I'm not even a LeBron guy like that, but I don't stand for things that are not statistically true. Like if I have stats to back something up, you cannot just throw out a blanket. Well, that guy's just not a winner. Well, well, and, and you know, it's crazy for people to be saying that right now, like even just forget historically, just this year, look at what he has done. This, you know, Carl, we were talking about this a little bit, like, this is his best year, maybe. Like, that's not crazy to say. And not necessarily his most, he's the most talented, but what he does, did this year was one of the most impressive things we ever saw. He came onto a team that had never been together before. They pretty much immediately gelled and were in first place in the West going into COVID. Then we go into the bubble. They sort of have a figuring out period that takes like five games. And then they're the best team again. And if you look at each series they played in, were they, I know they were favored in Vegas, but all the experts were loving picking against them. I mean, Denver in seven. Yeah, people Clippers. were saying Matt Miami in six, <laughs> I heard. Portland's going to give them trouble, you know? So I think just this year alone to come down on LeBron is, is insane, in my opinion. I think he was incredible. Right. I think it's a holdover from the Miami years. I think there's people who just hate LeBron. Like, they don't even follow the NBA. They oh, just yeah. get on... They just get on around the playoffs and they just say, uh, we hate LeBron and we're going to tell you all the reasons we hate LeBron. And that's it. Cause that's all you, that's the only group of people left. Right. You, nobody's saying LeBron's a bad player. Like these people come out and they're like, he is trash, doo-doo trash. And it's like, no, it's just, yeah. that's not the case. You just hate LeBron and you just say it. It's okay. Just say it. Yeah. Did MJ get this kind of hate? 
I mean, I don't know. I grew up in Chicago in the 90s. I was a kid. MJ could do no wrong. But around the rest of the league were like hot national takes about how MJ was trash? No, right? No, no. I mean, even here in like the land of the Pistons, nobody like talks about like how he wasn't a winner, even though he only went to six finals. They penalize LeBron for going to 10 finals. Like over half of his career, he's contended for a championship. Like that is amazing. And nobody wants to give him credit for it. Yeah. And if you're talking about legacies, Carl, to your credit, you're wearing the Golden State garbage right now. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to talk about later better teammates, MJ, LeBron, whatever, but teams faced, I mean, the Bulls faced a ridiculously tough East. And I understand LeBron has faced a pretty weak East throughout his career. But in the finals, the, the 90s Bulls never faced anything even approaching the Warriors. And LeBron had to face them four times. And he was one and three in those matchups, I believe. Like, well, he when he no, beat Jordan, them, I, we'd like to say Jordan would have Jordan once he got in the finals, he would have finished the job. But he didn't. You know, the the '97 Utah Jazz are not the '17 Golden State Warriors. So that that whole finals record thing is a little unfair, if not a lot unfair. Well, I mean, you also like LeBron and the Cavs beat the Warriors. And Draymond Green is crying in the parking lot and calling the, probably the best scorer of his generation to come and join up because he can't take losing to this guy. Like, that that's one man. Like, no offense, Kyrie Irving, but, you know, LeBron was the engine that made that ship go. Yeah, and yeah. the Warriors don't happen without LeBron, right? I mean... That team doesn't get together. They only got together to beat LeBron. And I think that that'll be in his legacy for sure. It's like KD would never think about, um, never think about going to the Warriors. Cause like more and more you're hearing it now, it's like KD and Kyrie always wanted to play together. So this was a detour. This wasn't the original plan. So he only did that to win. So thank you, LeBron is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> That 2016 championship is more impressive than any single championship that Jordan won, in my opinion. Given the teammates that he had, because that was the year Irving was injured a bunch, Love was out a bunch, and then after Irving and Love, I mean, you're dependent on Channing Frye, J.R. Smith. It's like a, a who's who of just, you know, guys. Neither, in my research here, I can tell you neither Kyrie or Love was even an all-star that year. Their numbers weren't all, I mean, they, they didn't, they weren't like having a career year that year either. They were two like, like borderline good role player all-stars that year. So it's not, he was on his own. He was on his own. Not to crap on Kyrie. Kyrie's great. Yeah. But. I mean, and the amount of people I've heard today give credit to that championship to Kyrie for hitting the shot, you know, it, great shot, like not taking anything away from it. You don't get to the point where it takes one shot if you don't have LeBron. Like you get run off the floor in four. I agree. That, that's what, and I think that's I, the LeBron haters again. They just want to give Kyrie the credit. Anything to deflect. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not like the biggest LeBron fan, but I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. 
the way the goalposts have moved, I've had to become like a LeBron guy. And it's like not something I wanted to do. Like I'm looking up a meme here that a guy sent me and he's got one ring. He's got Kyrie. Another ring. He's got bubble. Another ring. He's got strike season. And another ring. He's got Ray Allen. And I'm like, you could do, I was like, you could do that to any, like, if you took Jordan's six rings, you can go, the first one, Magic Johnson had a hurt back. The second one, um, who's, who's number two? That was Portland. I think he was unassailable. Is that Portland? Yes, I would say that was their best championship, arguably. That team was really good. I would say Portland, possibly the Sonics. Those are the two. I think the Sonics might have been the best team they played in the six championships. I mean, I, I mean, agree I with that, but I, I, the point is none of those teams from the West were all that great, but the, but the Blazers were good. But no, I, you make a good point. You can put an asterisk next to everything if you're just a jerk. Yeah, like you can go back to all the Celtics and just like put an asterisk with like racism. Like, so, you know, I'm... <laughs> It was like Every no winning. One. I was just like getting frustrated because I'm like, you people aren't listening to statistics and you're not listening to logic. Like, just say you hate LeBron and move on because you know I'm not going to let this go because I can't lose to people who don't watch basketball. Do you do you think that there that like in 20 years from now, you know, there'll be some other great generation has had one. Do you think there will be guys? who are now Gen Zers who will be that guy about whoever the next guy is. We'll just be like, he'll never be better than LeBron. There's nothing he can do. It doesn't matter. He's trash, whoever this next player X is. Or do you think somehow LeBron maybe transcends that? Or You can say his name. Player? It's Luka Doncic, son. Luka I, maybe it's Luka Doncic. And they're going to be like, no, he's not LeBron. He's not LeBron. I don't think so. <laughs> you can already hear it. I don't think so because I, LeBron ushered in the era of like, player power and people hate to see players take control of their own power he was the first guy to like really step out there and do what he wanted to do and be open about it like not through some back channel so I think he's always going to catch hell and he just is basically going to be absorbing the heat for future generations like if Luca wants to go and play with Donovan Mitchell in the future it won't be seen anywhere near as bad as anything that LeBron does. No, LeBron will probably be blamed for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at what LeBron did. LeBron started Star this. Yeah, I'm just wondering if the old heads in the 90s, like, I, I don't remember, but was my dad like, yeah, MJ might be the greatest ever, but he's no, you know, Kareem or he's no Bill Russell. I wonder if the old heads were saying that then. It felt more unanimous about MJ in the 90s, but I don't know. I was a kid, so it's hard to put it into any right. kind of context. Just looking back, it seems like MJ's transcended sports to the point where it made it a lot easier to say that, you know, he was the GOAT. Also, people didn't know about his private life as much. So <laughs> we, we've seen LeBron since he was 16 years old. So there, I'm yeah. sure it's, some of that is just fatigue. People are tired of seeing LeBron. <laughs> I agree. Um, wait, I want to say something about the bubble before we go too far into LeBron and MJ. 
I think this bubble season is one of my favorite NBA seasons of all time. And I understand why the context of that is probably creating that for me. But if you look back at seasons, like the amount of storylines, the amount of amazing performances, the unique element of the bubble. And as we said before, the successful unique element of the bubble. I think this is, I think this season historically, I will remember it fondly in the midst of hell of 2020. Maybe that's part of it, but think about it like, the bubble comes back. First of all, they do it successfully. That's number one. Second of all, you've got all of the social justice stuff, the players speaking their minds and getting and actually getting things done. Impressive, amazing. <clears throat> and then you've got all the storylines, like the Suns coming down there and going eight and up. And you've got Luca. You've got the Dame Lillard storyline. You've got playoff P being garbage. Even though that was a bad storyline, it was a hilarious storyline. You have Pat Beverly trying to tell off Michelle Roberts and getting told like to stay in his place. Like it felt like there were just so many good storylines and so much incredible basketball. I, I don't know. Every round, every series, every game, I was like glued to my TV. Maybe it's context, but I felt like it was incredible. Just want to put that out there. No, I agree. Like the storylines that came out, I took like five minutes when I was scarfing down a burrito at work and just like, wrote down what I liked about the bubble. And in like five minutes, I got Devin Booker and his run. I got Jamal Murray versus Donovan Mitchell. Miami's whole playoff run. The Clippers being the Clippers. You got Luka being Luka. LeBron James doing everything in season 17 and Denver's whole run. And Michael Porter Jr. while being an anti-vaxxer, possibly being the piece that can take them to the next level if he stays healthy. That was just like a quick, just jot down some notes about the bubble. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I echo all that. And I'd say, and the, and the Rockets lost. So it's always good to see James Harden go down in flames. <laughs> oh, oh, we about to slander James Harden? No, I'm, I'm ready to slander James Harden. I will slander. You guys are morons. You're morons. Why would you want to see him go down in flames? Why would you want that experiment? Don't you want to see his greatness put into a different system? If he's such a great player, why, can't you wait to see him in like I, a new format, not just ISO ball? Do you, did you feel that way about Jordan or LeBron or any of these other guys? You wanted to see them put no, into a because those new two guys won. won. They won. Easy. Get out of here. You're, you're outnumbered, man. <laughs> I, I think it's entertaining to watch, and at the very least, it's entertaining as a villain. The Rockets are entertaining as a villain. If they disappear, now who's the villain? Like, the Lakers, the Clippers are too, too trash to be the villain. And the Lakers, it's LeBron. I mean, like, they're the villain because they're good, but they're not the villain. Like, Houston is a great villain. And now what? Like, it won't, if it breaks up, they're not going to be a villain. No, you're just not going to watch them because you guys are morons. Brooklyn will step up and be the villain because Kyrie will say some weird stuff. And then Kevin Durant will get on his burner account and start, like, roasting people on Twitter. Like, they'll always be a villain to step up. And they probably won't use spreadsheets, which will make them a whole lot less annoying. <laughs> oh, Darren Moore is still like... having his job. That's crazy, too. How? I mean, he hasn't gotten fired yet. That's incredible, right? Is he safe? Or is it just, like, a matter of time now? I mean, you saw the firings already come down for, you know, the coaches and whatnot. You assume Maury would have already been gone. And I thought that was a done deal. But 
I mean, I was hearing like Maury was basically trying to like torpedo this job so he got fired and could go to uh, get paid the rest of his contract and then go to Washington. I heard that Washington rumor. Yeah. I um, It's crazy how rear view that China thing became. Oh, they blamed that on LeBron so hard. We were like, he's going to be fired automatically. Oh, he shut up and deleted a tweet, and they blamed LeBron for that so fast. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that people were like, oh, well, LeBron could have said something. And I was like, yeah, well, his family was over there. And while they may not hold LeBron James, what the hell is to stop him from Stopping Savannah James or Bronny James, you know what I mean? Like, you gotta yeah, say what you gotta say to get your family out of a communist regime. <laughs> there were there were definitely personal safety issues that need to be considered. I yeah, yeah. thanks, Daryl Morey. <laughs> and what made it worse? Me- what made me so angry about the whole Daryl Morey thing is that. People were like, oh, he was just speaking his mind. He was doing this. He was doing what he thought was right. Hey! (laughs) He was doing what he thought was right. And then the minute he got any kind of pushback, he deleted it and folded so fast. And I'm like, you can't even stand up for what you believe in. You're not even worth defending. See, you guys are horrible. You're doing you're doing to Daryl Morey what you're accusing people of doing to LeBron. You literally, in one breath, just defended LeBron for speaking out to protect his family and not standing up. Daryl Morey didn't have to say anything. He started this apropos of nothing. He just mentioned like, "Hey, China, here's this controversial topic." LeBron said something after he got confronted with Daryl Morey's uninformed dumbass <laughs> like just i agree completely i don't want to i don't want to be the the daryl Morey defender guy so that's fine i'm off it <laughs> look just jump on this houston hater train and, and be on the right side of history choo choo baby choo choo i can't i like them as villains and you know what? I was thinking about the KD Kyrie thing while we're talking here, and I like both of them, and I'm totally ready to, like, think of them as villains. I have no problem with that. And the key oh, yeah. linchpin is DeAndre Jordan. I've always disliked DeAndre Jordan. I feel like he's the he's the guy who makes it all villainous for me. Remember when he did that thing with Dallas where he, like, committed to them and then decommitted or something? And, and they were in the living got, room. And it screwed Dallas for, like, two Blake years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Now, that was a Clipper team that I could like. <laughs> for sure. The problem is they have a loser for a coach. No offense, Doc Rivers of Chicago fame. Yeah, uh, I've never defended Doc Rivers, so. <laughs> Are you excited to hear his, like, raspy voice screaming spacing all day at Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid for well, seven games? Well, he didn't have to yell anything about spacing to uh, Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons isn't going to shoot. <laughs> like, it's fine. <laughs> You know, we just we're just gonna give you 130 million dollars to uh to do the same thing that you've been doing since LSU. <laughs> I think you make a great point. You know, the, the point of whether Ben Simmons has it is good or has developed or is he in a bad situation, if even in a bad situation, he hasn't tried to do the things that he needs to do to grow. That's my problem with him. And I think that's what you're saying, B Count. Yeah. It's like even if it still didn't work with Embiid. 
I'd like to see him like in the gym working on his shot and then actually shooting it in games. Like the, the, there's, there's never been a more obvious thing to improve for a talented player than Ben Simmons. He That's was, what bothers me about him. He was so close to me, like coming out of college, he was the closest thing to like a generational guy. Like we've never seen somebody that can do this. And all he had to do to me was like, just, just work on the jumper. Just work on the jumper. It doesn't have to be good, but they got to at least be able to close out on you, like, if you get the ball. Like, when he gets the ball, nobody goes towards him. Everybody doubles in B. So that's not helping anybody. Like, you, you just take a shot every now and again so they have to honor you. That's all. Carl? Oh, that's well, Simmons you know, is your guy. I don't disagree. You know, the thing for me is it's like all these guys get these super maxes before they – done anything like when they did the Wiggins contract and who was it at the time Glenn Taylor was the owner and he was like I'm gonna give you this contract but I need him to come in the office and look me in the eye and shake my hand and I was like if you need that from a player then you probably don't try <laughs> shouldn't give him that contract but these guys are getting five years 150 180 and you kind of have to give it to them no, you do. Because they're, they're a trade asset. You have to get the contract. You can't let them leave for nothing. So either you got to trade them before the contract or you got to sign them to the contract. Are, are you saying that people are overcritical of these players because they're overpaid and that's not their fault? Or are you saying the fact that they're getting overpaid so early is stunting their growth? What are you saying? I'm saying, I don't think I'm saying either of those things. I'm just saying it sucks for teams because they have to commit to these guys. Like if you draft somebody, number one, number two, and they develop into like a pseudo all-star, all of a sudden you're committed to them for what, nine years? I mean, I don't know, man. It's just it, like I know that you could probably sign them to shorter contracts, but somebody else will step up and give them $200 million. So, no, I, I mean, the – we should start talking about these guys as like a percentage of the cap, right? Because that's really what their salary is. And then if we started talking about it in that terms, we would be, have less vitriol for them than being like Tobias Harris is making $40 million a year for the next two years, three years, whatever. You know what I mean? But it's like, no, he's just taking 20% of their payroll. Well, I don't know what that number hate, is. I don't like the hate that Tobias Harris gets. Not that I'm like a Tobias Harris stan, but... Elton Brand offered him $40 million a season. You got to take What's it. What's he supposed to do? Like, actually, guys, I think I'm only worth 25 You can take that 15 and give it to somebody else. No, give me my $40 million. Absolutely. <laughs> but does anybody hate these guys that perform as you expected but not up to the contract except the stupid fans of the team that signed them? Like, does anyone think ill of Tobias Harris besides Philly fans who suck anyway? No, general NBA Twitter always references it. the Tobias Harris contract. Yeah. Oh, they hate him. They hate it. Okay. Yeah, well, but I mean, I that's like the that. thing. Like, this is the Jay-Z line, right? Would you rather be uh, overpaid or underrated, whatever it is, right? It's like, I'd rather get the payday and have everybody hate me. I'll be honest with you. Like, it's like Kobe, his last contract, when fans were giving him a hard time, and he was like, they offered me $28 million, whatever it was, a year. I, I just signed the contract. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the hate needs to go to the GM. The hate doesn't need to go yes. to the player. You know, it's funny. We had this – I feel like we lived this a few times as Bulls fans, but the one that stands out most for me is Carlos Boozer, where the reality is we signed Boozer to more money than he was worth in terms of percentage of the cap, 
And the reality is we got what we got. Like, it's not like he was worse than what we signed. We signed a guy that was going to do 19 and 10 and play no defense and take all jumpers. And that's what he was for the first two or three years of the contract. Then he aged, you know, but it's like everyone was so everyone hated him for that. And I guess that's like what we're talking about. That's unf- I mean, what was he supposed to do? Not sign the $90 million deal or whatever was put in front of him. So I only dislike Carlos Boozer because he wouldn't come home as a bald man. As a bald man, he offended me with all of his shameless attempts trying to hide the fact that he was a bald man. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I obviously had no problem with that. I just would have preferred that he played a little bit of defense, but he never did the rest of his career. Look, Although, he was what he was. I mean, I will say this he is an Olympian medalist, bronze medalist, I believe. Oh, um, yeah, he was on that team. I'm going to say that out, about everyone. <laughs> I'm going to throw out a name that really stole money from the Bulls. And I don't know if this is where we're going with this, but whatever, I'm rambling. Uh, Eddie Robinson. Remember when the Bulls gave him a bunch of money just because he had a, fo- a few cool dunks there with the Hornets? That was great. Yeah, I think that was six years. That was a yeah. six-year deal. Back in the day of six-year deals. They gave him the T-Mac money because we thought we were getting T-Mac. And when he signed in Orlando, instead of just being like, well, we'll just have some cap space, they were like, no, let's give this guy triple what he's worth. I mean, we could talk about bad Bulls contracts all day. We're sitting on Felicio's contract. They gave him a contract when there was literally nobody to bid against. They gave him three years, I think. Yeah. Um, hopefully, Karnasovas takes over and, and makes makes things right. I'm impressed with his track record in Denver. So, For sure. Carl, this is turning into a Bulls pod. Oh, I love it. I love it, man. Over under wins Bulls next year, Carl. What do you think? 40, right? <laughs> that's what <laughs> that's what D Tom here thinks. Oh, I went over, baby. <laughs> I feel like 40 is a good number. On that all day. <laughs> I said 43. I'm all oh, in. <laughs> I'm drinking the Billy Donovan Kool-Aid. I mean, I thought they were gonna be good last year, and I think it was mainly health and bad coaching. I mean, correct. I, I like their starting five. The, the biggest problem is, assuming they all come back and at the starting five we have a better coach and they stay healthy, how detrimental was the bad coaching over the last two years to the young guys' development? Like, is Laurie Markkinen ruined? I don't want to think so, but it's possible. Like, he was really frustrated. I don't I think, think Levine is ruined, but... He's ta- Markkinen's talented enough. I think that he'll he'll do fine. It's guys like Chris Dunn. Um, you know, some yeah, the little, tip what now? In Minnesota. Yeah, so like Chris Dunn. Um, who else am I thinking? Denzel Valentine. Like guys who would be coming off the bench anyway. I think that they're probably more damaged by what Jim Boylan did than anybody else. But those two guys are done now, right? We're done with Chris Dunn and Denzel, right? I love I, I thought Valentine was one of the best players coming out in that draft, and his knees just haven't held up. Yeah. I mean, I feel like he'll catch on somewhere coming off the bench, but I don't know if he'll be back in Chicago. I mean, who knows? A good coach can change a lot of things. Hey, yeah. Billy Donovan's still like... a shock hire to me. Yeah. It was shocking to me. Which side? 
Good, a good shot. I mean, I think it was one of the, I don't know if, how the reaction you guys had, but like I heard it and I was like, that doesn't make sense because nobody said this name. And then the longer you thought about it, the more you were like, oh, wait, that's a good ass hire. Like this makes all like, why wouldn't you want the one of the best coaches possible has a good track record? You know what? That's what you want. The Bulls are like an abusive relationship because they've beaten me down to the point where when I heard they were looking for a new coach, I was just like, please, God, just let him be competent. That's all. I wasn't, it didn't have to be splashy. It didn't have to be, you know, championship caliber, just, just competent. Not somebody going to pull these high school, like, I'm going to take you out and make you watch the game so you can see how it feels, kind of rah-rah crap, like, these are professionals. Treat them like professionals, Boylan. Like, I knew that was going to fail the moment they named him coach. You think Donovan's going to continue the uh, punch card uh, philosophy? You know, they have to do time cards? Every no, time they... he's going to keep doing the leadership council for sure, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure Lori was the first one to burn that uh, time card thing that just <laughs> burned it to the ground. Well, I think the thing you said, Jason, when we talked about this was it was so important that they paid Donovan. Like this is the first time the Bulls have paid a coach. So I don't I don't know, and I haven't looked at it closely, although I've been saying this the last week or two, but I think he may be the first coach they've hired with head NBA coaching experience since I've been literally alive because Phil Jackson was an assistant, Doug Collins. I don't know if he was an assistant, but he might've been. And then, you know, all the guys after that were either college coaches or first time coaches right up. Even Thibodeau, who was good, but he was an um, assistant. There you go. So this is the first hire where the Bulls shelled out enough to hire someone with head coaching experience. So I'm pumped about that. We'll see what happens. I'm pulling it up here and it is a sad, sad list. (laughs) Maybe this is a sad list. The last coach we hired that had previous NBA experience might have been Paul Westhead in 1982. Okay. Every coach after that, Kevin Lowry, Stan Allback, Doug Collins, Phil Jackson, Tim Floyd, Bill Barry, I don't even remember who Bill Barry is. <laughs> Bill Cartwright, Pete, my oh Scott Skiles, there's one. Oh Scott Skiles, I forgot about him. He was in Orlando or something yeah. before us, right? Yep. Phoenix? No Phoenix, I think. Uh, yep, Scott Skiles, Vinny Del Negro. We gave him a shot. <laughs> he was his first coaching gig. So we got I like that John Paxson. John Paxson, I think, tried to choke him. Yeah, I like I, I, I like Vinny though because he stood his ground. Yeah, Vinny coach, a, but stood his ground. I can respect it. See the Warriors, we do we do choking right. You see how you said he tried. Latrell Sprewell got the job done, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! It brought the team together. And I have a question for you, Carl, about that. I've always wondered this. I don't know if I ever asked you this before, but. Is the sense for Golden State fans that PJ Carlissimo deserved it and their team Sprewell, or was the sense 
that that was insane and there's nothing that can rationalize it. I feel like I was young, but I was pro Spreewell. But like that's, I wasn't, I wasn't really, I wasn't really uh, ingesting all of the, the sports media at that point. But yeah, I mean, I was pro Spreewell. Like everybody's like, that was a bad thing he did, but also PJ Carlismo sucks. Right. So. And I, my understanding is Carlissimo was a Boylan type. Like he was a complete dick to everyone all the time. And I kind of wish Levine had tried to choke him, you know? Right. So. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I remember uh, when it happened uh, at the barber shop, a guy was like, yeah, good. Cause he ruined Mitch Richmond. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't remember anybody in like my world being like, oh, you can never choke a coach. The, the one person I remember was my barber and he was like, yeah, good. He ruined Mitch Richmond. He deserved to get choked. I had choked him too. I, I'm on board. I, I have no problem with that. It's like the old I, saying, I, <laughs> uh, uh, Matt Barnes says, you know, violence isn't the answer, but sometimes it is. <laughs> Another warrior's great. Carl's heroes. <laughs> this is just turning into a weird warriors podcast. Hey, we're we're the favorites next year, right, guys? Uh, not according to Vegas. Forty nine games. That's the line for him? I go over on forty nine. No, no, I just made that up. Uh, oh. I can't imagine. I'm sure Vegas has no idea what to do with them. Well, I. Oh. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up here. I feel like can Vegas even put lines out for wins because it's like we don't how much know. season are we gonna get? I saw on um, ESPN this morning they had mentioned the uh, the teams with the best odds here. Yeah, it's I don't know how I feel. Because... I don't know how I feel about this list already. <laughs> I might have to put some money on because uh, <laughs> so they're going Lakers, then they're going Clippers. Uh, oh, for odds to win the championship? Yeah. Bucks, then Warriors, Nets, Celtics, Heat, Raptors, Nuggets. Okay. The only thing I really have a problem with on that list is the Nets and the Warriors just because they're such a question mark, but I don't know where you put them. So... I feel like the Warriors is a good they're in a good spot. The one I have a question with is the Clippers cuz who's going to be the coach? Also they're the Clippers, so they shouldn't be allowed to be in this conversation. Like I, I well, feel like they they've lost the right to be in this conversation. Well, I think I I'm going to say something that sounds crazy in 2020 and obviously coaching is the problem and playoff key is the problem, but I think the real problem they have is they don't have a defensive inside presence and it turns out i think you really you really need that even even Kawhi with the raptors last year had the corpse of marcus soul and serge Ibaka and you know siakam and, and and some guys that could defend down low you know harrell is tra was trash on defense maybe he was you know he came in late didn't he have covid or something no his uh, grandma died yeah oh his grandma died so he couldn't get into a rhythm and then zubats is He's not really a good defensive player, though, to begin with, so. It feels like as much as they're bl blaming playoff Pete, when you watch how Miami had success with Bam really being everywhere on defense up until the finals, 
And the Lakers, with AD essentially being, in my opinion, arguably in retrospect, the defensive player of the year, it, it feels like you don't need that, but you need someone to protect the rim. And they just didn't have that. I mean, the Clippers don't have that. So I think that's their biggest question mark is do they have enough pieces to make a deal to get a center in that can at least stand in front of the basket and make it harder to score layups on them, you know? Right. I mean, really, what the takeaway from the series was, like, defense. Because, like, what was the highest total? It was, like, 121 game. But it's, like, yeah. everybody was building to compete with the Warriors. So they were, like, yo, we got to score 150. We got to score – and I'm like, this stuff's all cyclical. Like, we, th- you think you want all great shooters right now and spread the floor, yeah, yeah. And the Lakers were like, no, we just want, like, people who know their roles and we're going to play shut-up defense. We're just going to shut you down and funnel everybody to AD and he's going to challenge every shot. And so it's like, you just got to it's, – it's cyclical. So it's funny. It's funny to see that the Lakers are doing it with, like, defense. <laughs> I mean, and in hindsight – like, I got to give Frank Vogel, like, a lot of props because he did a good job with staggering the minutes of AD, then to Dwight Howard, then very rarely to JaVale McGee. But they kept the same game plan, like, keep this defensive-minded center. I'm going to funnel it to him and then just get out on the break. Yeah, and- no, I, I mean – they were great. It, they were it great. felt like Miami like didn't have any answer in, in, last night when they when they didn't play Dwight or Javel. It was like, oh shit, we have to change everything we're doing. I mean, I feel like they just put so much out in Game Five that yeah, they were dead. They were done. Poor Jimmy. Poor Jimmy. Yeah. That clip of him leaving the podium. Oh, yes. brutal man. He played like Tibbs was coaching, like. 47 minutes out of a 48-minute game, like, wow. <laughs> well, I mean, credit to that Lakers defense. That was just stifling. I mean, that was stifling. Oh, yeah. That was like a th- – They. I don't know anything Miami could have done with a hobbled bam, even if Jimmy was at 100%. With the Lakers doing that, there's nothing anyone could do. I feel like if the Lakers did that kind of defense, they could shut down the war- like the Warriors. You know what I mean? Like, that defense was 90s-esque in terms yeah. of just rotating. Everyone was where they were supposed to be. Everyone was locked in. Every, it felt like nobody could even get a good shot off, let alone missing good shots. I, it was crazy. And it was actually kind of fun to watch, even though I was I mean, the Lakers. <laughs> it's funny, because this is going to lead me into another, like, side rant here. Like, how confused Duncan Robinson looked last night. Like, but then I saw this morning, <laughs> someone said that, the better shooter is uh, between Duncan Robinson and Clay Thompson is Duncan Robinson. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's, Clay's been gone for a little while. People forgot what he can do. It's time to chill out. New like, Splash Bros, baby. Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. New Splash Bros, baby. Do you think, that, do you think this Lakers team, could I mean obviously the team we saw last night is different than the team we saw the rest of the series but do you think this Lakers how would this Lakers team match up against that Golden State team the one without Durant because the one with Durant is still I think beats them yeah but it would be a hell of a fight without KD for sure though I mean I think I think they'd be evenly matched I think it would just be uh it would go seven yes 
Yes, and it I would really come down to perimeter defense. That's all it would come down to is like how how much energy and how much like I really think Avery Bradley not being there would be a real negative mm-hmm. for them. Like if Avery Bradley was there, I mean that gives them just another because that's what that's what the blueprint is for the Lakers is like you have to defend. You didn't see any Kyle Corvers on this team. You didn't see any of these like corpses of people who couldn't defend. It was like everybody had to defend. Hey, 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 Jared Dudley was there. All right, chill out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, at the end of the bench. The stupid memes thing, it was like Jared Dudley, they said he played, what, point, like 17 seconds in the finals, and Carmelo and Chris Paul combined have played zero minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I feel, I feel bad that Melo has never made a finals. I want Melo to make a finals. I don't care no, if Chris I'm Paul ever bad. makes a finals. Mellow, I like his run with Portland. It was really nice that he got a second chance. I mean, it's like for a while there, it looked like he wasn't going to be on a court. Which is, it's so weird, like how everything turned on him. Like he got blackballed, it felt like, just for being in a bad system. And I was like, that's, I, I, I didn't get it. Like this, it didn't make any sense to me why he didn't get any looks at all. Well, not to be, I love Mello, but the big thing about him was, can he take a secondary role? And I don't think Portland proved that he could. I mean, Portland put him into the starting lineup almost immediately, and he got 16 shots a game. So I don't think he proved that he could take a secondary role. I think he proved that the corpse of Carmelo Anthony still has some value. But I don't think he proved like that was wasn't that the whole narrative? It was like no team wants to touch him because he's gonna think he's you know, gonna be like late career AI. Remember that stuff? Like yeah. I think that was the fear. And no, I don't think I mean, he proved that wrong. <laughs> I feel like he did though, because he was the clear like third banana on this squad. Like he didn't try to like usurp shots from McCollum and Lillard. Like he played in Terry Stotts' offense. They just needed him to put up 16 shots a game because who else was going to get him? Zach Collins? For sure. I think it was the right fit for I guess that's my point. It's, it was the right fit for him, but he didn't prove he could take a back-back seat. He still started. He, still, he started, I'm looking at right now, he started 58 games, took almost 14 shots a game. But he put up his regular numbers, 43%, 39% from three. I mean, he was effective. I think he right. proved he's still effective. I don't think he proved he's the next late career Vince Carter, you know? Right. Yeah. But, but Houston I, did a bogus too, didn't they? That was another oh, yeah. Daryl Moore, I think. He got blamed for that whole thing. And I was like, this is, it's not his fault Daryl Morey didn't sign somebody that can play defense on the perimeter. Like, you know what Melo is. <laughs> come on, Jason, just come and join us. It's wonderful. And I don't even dislike, I mean, but that was the thing that 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 lasted for like a month where they were like, it was Carmelo was the problem. We're going to cut him after 12 games. And then he was blackballed and it was totally the Rockets, man. It's the last team that had you right mm-hmm. when you get to that age. I mean, I guess. I mean, are the Niners the one that blackballed Colin Kaepernick? No, it was the rest of the league. I, I think the Rockets just thought it wasn't a fit. Do you think do you think Daryl Morey was going around being like, nobody signed this guy? You know what I mean? I, if mean, anything, I don't want to do. But when you're putting out stories that 
and you know that they were behind some of these stories about how he was bringing the team down kind of deal. Other teams listen to that. Okay. And, and, and Maury's responsible for World War III with China. I understand. I understand. He is. <laughs> Thank the you. Evil dude. Thank you for admitting it. He's the evil dude. He is. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I did all this research about MJ and, and LeBron. Are we going to talk about my research? <laughs> Let, let's do it. Oh, yeah! This, I knew Carl. I knew Carl would have a hard oh, time. They're, ter- they're terrible lists too. I don't know why I did research. <laughs> um, right, Tom, where do we start? The, what, the premise is LeBron versus Jordan, best teammates, right? Yes. Now, see, why I have to versus. say versus. Yeah. Why are you gonna make this a competition? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I didn't actually think of it as a competition when I started this. And as I went along, I found myself surprised at how not different they were. You know, the obvious narrative is MJ had all these great teammates. LeBron's doing it with nobody. And when you look at these lists, it, it, it doesn't feel that way when you look at these lists, or at least the list that I made. So, so I did my list as just his straight up top 10 teammates. I didn't do it by individual season because I did not have that much time. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, so whenever you all are, I got, I got my guys here and yeah, after the first three or four, it gets real bleak. I feel like LeBron's got, LeBron's got, uh, I think five solid ones. I feel like I'm my so, top five is solid. All stars. Seven All Stars on his top ten list. Really? Okay, let me. Uh, I did. Up. I did some deeper research. <laughs> oh gosh. Wait. Let's. So. So. Whatever. Let. Should we start from the top? Yeah, you we know, all agree he, on number one, right? Dwayne Wade. No, we absolutely don't agree on number Dwayne one. Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade. 2010 to 2011 Davis. specifically. I. It has to be 2011 because 12, 13, and 14 is a lesser Wade. But how? I, Make your case for him over what we just saw with AD this year. I think next season, AD has a chance to be the better team, to be LeBron's best teammate of all time. But that first year, Dwayne Wade filled in all of LeBron's blanks. He taught him leadership. He was providing like, I mean, the stats were what, 25, 6, and 5, which is fine. But it was just more so playing alongside LeBron and actually they worked well together and LeBron actually accepting help and letting somebody else carry the load. So, and, and prime Dwayne Wade. I mean, that year he was just amazing. So I'll go with Dwayne. I don't think you can go wrong either way, honestly, but like Wade's my number one. Yeah. I mean, just the number, he basically taught LeBron how to win in the finals because Bron's first trip to the finals was against the Spurs and, you know, it's not LeBron's fault that his number two is Booby Gibson, but you know, that 2011 run to the finals when like LeBron kind of was trying to be the, the big bad of the NBA, like putting on the fake tough guy persona and not being himself. They failed miserably in Dallas. After that, he kind of not deferred on the court, but deferred leadership wise until he was ready to take the reins from Wade. That's why I kind of give 
it not maybe not from a talent standpoint, I'd call Wade, you know, his best teammate, but just from what he taught LeBron, that's why I have him at number one. Com- compelling arguments, both of you. Here's why you're wrong. I'll start with the stat. <laughs> First of all, AD was ranked sixth in MVP voting this year. Wade was seventh that year. Close enough. They both got votes is the point. However, AD was first team all NBA and Wade was second team at that point and, and dropping. So in terms of just the numbers and talent, AD was arguably one of the top five players in the league that year. Wade was more like top 10. Okay. Essentially. Um, and that's what first and second team shows. AD was first team all defense this year. Wade hadn't sniffed an all defensive team in five years at this point, maybe four years at this point. Okay. And after what we saw last night, that reinforced for me what it was because AD all through this playoffs, even when he's had bad games offensively, was absolutely incredible on defense to the point where I'm saying the Clippers problem was they don't have AD on defense. Like that defensive presence is something that Wade always got steals. He did a lot of things to disrupt, but he wasn't a defender in that way. Um, They were both all-stars, just the numbers we talked about. AD was 26, nine and three. Wade was 25 and a half, six and five. They're sort of comparable for the positions. Um, but that's in the numbers. It's not that Wade wasn't good, but AD was a better player. And real quick, if you want to hear who AD finished after MVP voting, it was Giannis, LeBron, Harden, Luka, Kawhi. And Wade in 2011 in MVP voting, Rose, Dwight, LeBron, Kobe, KD, and Dirk were all ahead of him. So there's slightly more people ahead of him. It's close, but I'm going to make the flip argument on you guys about the fit. I don't think, I think the emotional stuff that Wade taught him about winning was important. It certainly clearly was a real thing, but the actual fit was not right. Like LeBron and Wade were not a good fit in 2011. And if you look back and read articles about it and just remember what it was like, that was the narrative. And it was true. It was like they were taking turns. They were in the same position. It was, it was awkward. AD is the, if you were going to create a player in a, like a robot machine player that was the perfect complementary fit for LeBron, it's AD. And that's why I think he's the better teammate. It's only been one season. I also took that into account. So. And that's fair. Cause I was looking at it by seasons and I was mm-hmm. saying the AD 20 season versus the Wade 11 season, but Pete top your arguments hold true. Even just for that season. I yeah. think Wade, but, Wade taught him how to lead a team. Wade taught him how to win. I don't disagree with that. And but, Wade won a championship without LeBron. What did AD do without LeBron? Wade won a championship with second place MVP vote getting Shaq who arguably Carl USA should have won the MVP over Steve Nash that year. So yeah. I'm I can't not believe you Wade mentioned Steve Nash in my presence. <laughs> I know it's digital, but we, we don't need to do that today. All right, so uh, everybody got – what are we going on next? So we, we disagree. You got AD first, we got D-Wade first, and then obviously I think V-Top and I both have AD I second. got AD in two. Yeah. All right, so three. What you guys got for three? I think I we could Chris disagree Bosch. here. I got Kyrie, baby. Chris Bosh. I got Chris oh. Bosh. I'm going, we're going single season 2014-2015 Kyrie for me. But see, here's the thing. I got Kyrie at four. So I feel like we've got the same people. We And we're just like flip-flopping them here. Because if I was going whole. 
I was going to say, I think the difference between Wade and AD is a sliver, and you can make that argument. I think I would argue strongly that Kyrie was a better teammate than Bosch. I don't mean it like teammate, like I want to play with it. <laughs> it's coming out of my mouth. Obviously, it's problematic because it's Kyrie. But in terms of on this list, I think Kyrie is light years ahead of Bosch. I have Bosch next as well, but I have Kyrie. But why do you think it's Bosch over Kyrie, Vitao? I think it's Bosch over Kyrie simply because he was a guy that came in and he played where he was needed, center, power forward, and he took his role. Like, I'm thinking of his best teammates. So the numbers for Kyrie, obviously better than Chris Bosch's. But the fit, again, Bosch did, like, when you look at the um, Ray Allen three-pointer, who was it that got the ball to Ray Allen? It was Chris Bosch. So in a lot of their most important possessions, it was running through Bosch. He was making the right pass. And he was willing to go from being the number one guy his whole life to being the number three guy. And we really didn't hear anything about like him causing too much of like asking for trades or anything. Like that's gotta be hard for a dude that's been the man on every team since you're like 12 to now come in and you're number three. <laughs> Whereas, I mean, I don't really have like anything negative say to say about Kyrie. I just find that he yeah, would try to be the leader when obviously it was LeBron. Like he, I felt like he caused a lot of strife that didn't need, maybe strife is the wrong word, just undue tension. Like it happens. You know, you, you work together with people. Sometimes you think that you know the way. They think that they know the way. It's going to be a little bit of tension. Not enough to, like, disrupt the ship. But, you know, it happens. I get it. I'm, you're making me feel like I think you did this list right and I did this list wrong. Like, literally. Because I, I think Bosch is a better teammate than Kyrie Irving. He's a better teammate. I, and that is a better, I think, a, a way of looking at it. I think that maybe plays into the Wade and AD disagreement. Because I was thinking of it as like, in 30 years when they look back and you say who is like, LeBron never played with anyone good. I think you're going to pull out Kyrie's name as someone good he played with before you pull out Bosch's name. And that's, I'm not saying those have to be mutually exclusive, but I think, yeah. So that I think my argument for Kyrie, your argument for Bosch is strong, and I I don't have arguments against it. My argument for Kyrie is that in that context, he was who did LeBron play with who was good during his career? I'm explaining this to my kids in 20 years. I think I say Kyrie first because Kyrie's a better talent. I think. Oh, I would definitely if Julian comes up to me in five years and says, "Who did LeBron play with?" You know, I'll say AD. I'll say Kyrie. You know, it'll be a while before I get to Bosch. No disrespect <laughs> to Bosch. No. And that's I, just why we got to say how we did it, right? So, because I think Diamond and I both did it the same way, where I was like, one year, best statistical teammate. And I'm not necessarily worried about uh, chemistry or anything else. I'm just like, who put up the numbers next to LeBron? But like, whole career, I think our whole time together with LeBron, I definitely think Bosch is much better teammate. 
Carl, can I ask you something? You said you wanted, when we were doing by years, you said you took the 14-15 Kyrie. I personally took the 16-17 Kyrie. Did you do, I, I, am I diving too deep into just this? Numbers, just numbers for me. I just picked the best numbers that I could Now, see. in 16-17, he averaged 25-3-6, and six, and he shot 47-40-90. He almost had a 50-40-90 season. Oh, I'll take it. Then. Was, I picked the wrong year. That was the year they lost to the KD. I mean, you know. Anyway, that's not super relevant. Okay. I, I like the argument for Bosch. I, I, hard for me to argue with you, Beaton. All right, so who's five? We all know who five is, right? Wait, no, do we? Uh, because clearly we haven't gotten <laughs> any of the same ones yet. So. Yeah, that's true. I just like saying we all know what it is, so we're all going to agree and then we disagree, see? <laughs> I mean, it's love, right? Who it's has love. Okay, I got Kevin Love, too. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right, you want to hit me? I'll hit you with six. Should we talk about Kevin Love? I don't really. We all know Kevin Love. I feel like we all agree, so, I mean, yeah. do we? Well, do we wait, love? the only thing I want to hear is I want to hear the B-Tomp reason for Kevin Love, because I like where his viewpoint is coming from, because on oh. my spreadsheet, it's all numbers. <laughs> yeah. I don't have notes about how they're good teammates so go ahead Vitaf. why do you like kevin love i guess well, I, again again it all comes down to like accepting his role so he was the guy who was putting he did what a 30 30 with minnesota and then he comes to cleveland and again now he's being moved to number three basically but you never heard any complaints he went out there he did his job he still averaged uh, during his four years with LeBron, he averaged 17 and 10, which if that's your third option, that's fantastic. And then even in the finals, when they finally beat the Warriors, it was Kevin Love who was guarding Steph Curry when he on the last possession. That is a very slow-footed power forward who is not athletic and known for his defensive prowess going out there and doing what he had to do to help the team win a title. That's fantastic. That's why he's on my list. Strong, strong case. He was injured. I have to say it. Not I tried to hold it in. I tried to hold it in. Just... <laughs> There's no way not to have these Cleveland conversations about Golden State being part of it. I feel okay, like now it's about to start getting real sad, though. Yeah, my 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 six no is way. terrible. I'm pumped about a couple of these. I am pumped. All right, who wants? I'll do mine first because I, I I don't feel good about any of these. I got oh. I got Mister uh, Mo Williams at six. Yes, I have him too. <laughs> Why don't you feel good about him? He averaged like almost twenty. Didn't he average eighteen points? I'm looking at it. He averaged eighteen points on team on very efficient shooting. He was uh, yeah. a legitimate. Second banana to LeBron, and between 08 and 2010 in Cleveland, they could have gone to a couple finals. They were a few bounces away from the finals each year. So, and Mo Williams is the second best player on that team, and this was before LeBron went Nova in Miami. So, yeah. I think Mo Williams does not get enough credit. Also, All Star that year, Mo Williams. I went with Ray Allen. Go on, I love it. Uh, again, the guy came in. He knew what he was doing. He was there to shoot threes. That was it. He wasn't there to get dunks. He wasn't there to, to be the star. And in two seasons, he hit 300 threes while shooting almost 40%. 
Um, and they made, and of course, he pissed off the Boston Celtics, which probably bumped him up like at least three or four spots on my list just because of that. Like just seeing the Celtics, I don't, I know this, we're not talking about the Celtics right now, but I'm gonna slander them whenever I get the chance. Uh, anything to make them angry is all right with me. So that's why I got him. Irrational, yes, but that's why I got him where I got him. I don't think that's irrational at all because once you get past love, you can pick who anyone, any of these is a good pick because none of these guys are, I mean, I think Bo Williams, obviously I'm going to stand for him. I seem to like him a lot, but <laughs> I think Ray Allen's a great pick. Oh, I, over all of the other guys on the rest of this list, I don't think LeBron would have any problem with you being like, Ray Allen's my sixth favorite guy of yours. <laughs> so. Wait till you see my next one. <laughs> oh, hit us with it. Hit. Do it. No, no, wait. I didn't. We didn't get dimes. Oh no, I was Mo Williams. Oh, I was you, Mo oh Williams. you were Mo Williams too. Yeah, okay. I got so excited because I picked him that I just stole it from Carl and ran with it. <laughs> oh, okay. love it. All right, that's fine. That's fine. Because my next one, Zadrunas Ilgalskis. Oh, I got him lower in the list, man. Thanks, no, he's seven on mine. Go, B Tom. Go. Uh, he played seven seasons with LeBron. And I have no statistical reason to bat, like have him on this list other than LeBron really seems to like Zadrunas Ilgowskis. He played seven years with him. He had him in Miami for one. And when Big Z got his jersey retired, LeBron was there. <laughs> so he clearly liked him. So that, that gets him on the list for me. <laughs> I think he was his best teammate from 05 to 08. Like that was his best teammate. It's three years. Is most I, dependable. <laughs> I think there's a statistical case for him too, because I did a little bit in 0405. He was actually an all-star and he averaged 17 and eight and a half. Yeah. So, also, I, uh, and the other thing is we can't forget the story. Didn't LeBron like bully the Cleveland front office into giving Big Z a bigger contract than he deserved. I, I should have researched that. But I was this the was this the genesis mind. of like the Rich Paul era, where it's just like bullying GMs into giving bad contracts to players? I think so. It was the birth so. of clutch. Yeah, I think this. Yeah, it was the precursor because I I have this memory of them being like it was like the story was that like Ron was very unhappy if Z was gone. And so they signed him to another deal that he probably didn't deserve. So. And also he was the first all-star that LeBron played with. First guy to make an all-star sure. team on the Cavaliers other than LeBron. Oh, wait, Ricky Davis, Ricky Davis wasn't an all-star with the Cavs. I know or you're Carlos shocked. That one year? You're shocked, but it was big Z. <laughs> Averaging a whopping um, 15 and a half and seven and a half boards. Okay. Damn. Center was, center position was rough that year. I mean, again, <laughs> no disrespect, Big Z. I mean, you also got to take into account, I always think about this with some of these guys who play with LeBron. They get so many more national TV games and so much more, you know, press. And sometimes they get more, I don't know. And that was a Not little bit. To take anything away from Big Z, but yeah. a little bit pre-internet too, right? So like you didn't have people just voting from their phones. You know, it was less yeah. controversial. Dude, I got Boozer at seven. Wow, Boozer that one year? Yeah, fifteen and eleven, two block, two assists. It's fine. Another great contract leaving story. Well, I don't know exactly how it goes, but I think they let him out of his contract so that they could sign him to a different kind of extension. They didn't have to let him out. 
and he agreed they had a handshake deal. And after they let him out, he went and signed a bigger deal with Utah, right? Yep. Yeah. That was that's LeBron's indoctrination to it's a business. <laughs> you better get that shit right, Dan Gilbert. <laughs> important important teammate to teach him that. It's a business. Hey, they'll cut you in a minute. I had no problem with it. <laughs> yeah. Um Wait, can I do my number eight? Because it's oh. one of my favorites. Wait, who was yeah. your seven? Ilgoskis. I was Big Z, too. I, oh, I both Okay. Why do we keep forgetting your picks? <laughs> because I, because when I hear one of you pick it, I get you super just... pumped. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Do your number eight. Do your number eight. J.R. Smith. Oh, okay. 2015-2016. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. I thought maybe you guys would disagree, but I, no. he, he, his, the statistical case is not great. I mean, he averages 12 and a half, three and two, um, but he shoots 40% from three. And LeBron, if you remember, because all we think about now with J.R. Smith is that blown game one thing a couple years later, the next year, I think. But if you remember that year, he was a guy that LeBron depended on. LeBron trusted him. He had that guy taken. If LeBron didn't trust you, you're not taking 10 threes a game. You know what I mean? True. And he hit him. I mean, we remember him as he started to decline. But in the championship year, Carl, J.R. Smith was a killer. Yes, correct. Totally agree. I saw. And a, I love J.R. Smith. I saw a stat the other day. He's like number four or number five all time in uh, playoff three-pointers made. Like, so I'm saying. He has his moments. When he gets hot, he gets hot. I agree. And now we see it's the corpse of him on the Lakers and we saw the decline, but let's not forget. He was a key ingredient in that 2016 title. But he's still shirtless. <laughs> Always shirtless now, shirtless then. I saw him shirtless at the Cubs uh, Cleveland Indians World Series game. He was there in a box, shirtless. Makes sense. Now see, my number eight is Udonis Haslam. Hmm. Oh, my God, I can't believe you picked him. I was thinking about putting him on my list, and I didn't. I, Go. I got him. And, again, it has nothing to do with numbers, but I feel like Udonis Haslam has seen some things in his life, and he probably protected LeBron both on and off the court during the first run in uh, South Beach there. <laughs> it feels like if you ask anyone that ever played even one season with Udonis Haslam, they would name him as one of their top teammates. He feels like that kind of guy. That and also probably out of fear, because if you disrespect <laughs> him and don't put him on your list, there's going to be problems. Because <laughs> he's out here in these streets. I don't know if you guys have heard the story of, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, it might have been Dwayne Wade or Chris Bosh. But basically, they hook up with some woman uh, she robs them, like, of whatever chains or whatever they have. And they're telling Haslam about it. And he's like, all right, well, let's go and get it. And they're like, yeah, let's go. And he was like, I don't think you understand what I mean by let's go and get it. <laughs> so he's like, do you want to do you want to go or do you want to just let this let this one slide? And they're like, we're going to let this slide. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it, man. That's a oh, good yeah. teammate. That's a good teammate. He's willing to ride on some women who stole a chain. <laughs> He's got to make the list for that alone. Fair enough. 
What you got, Carl? I got. I'm still going full stats, stats, and uh, old fantasy players of mine. Drew Gooden, seventeen, Whoa, seventeen guns. and eleven, baby. Seventeen and eleven. Oh four, oh five. What a front court, Gooden and Zidrunas Silkowski. <laughs> I told you, I'm not talking because I think with these, it's it's uh, either you go one of two ways. You're either just like, let me look at straight performance, or you go, let me look at the intangibles. What like because Mario Chalmers should be on all of our lists, right? I hate Starting Mario Chalmers. See, I didn't put him on my list because I hate him because of what <laughs> happened with uh, Memphis. So I would like to think that I'm a, a little bit more of a hybrid than you, Carl. Like, I think I took it into account a little bit because no. Gooden does not show up even in my honorable mentions. <laughs> only, only my number 10 is my only uh, chemistry person. Okay, Gooden. All right, go, nine. I got Big Z here. Okay. Okay. I got Shane Battier. Oh, man. I can't believe you put a dookie higher than me. And a 10. <laughs> Believe me, I didn't you want to. Uh, you know what? Bandier might not be in the traditional stats, but I bet you in the advanced stats, Bandier is a top 10 teammate of his. He's probably in the Hall of Fame using today's, like, analytics. <laughs> right. Like, what's his defensive win share? Like, I'm sure high. Daryl Morey probably just starts drooling when he looks at Shane Bandier. I love Bandier. He's in charge of that now, right, for the Heat? Isn't he? He's like in charge of data analytics for the Heat. Is he really? That's perfect. For someone, yeah. I, I think he was he in Detroit. I don't know. Was I think Memphis? he's back in Miami now. I could be wrong. Let me let me since it's my stupid thing. Well, Betty A's career was awesome. Uh, always hated him. Hated him at Duke. Hated him in the NBA. But he was a guy that I respected for sure. A guy you want on your team. A guy that was. Arguably a key cog in that Miami Heat championship. Absolutely. The third one, right? This weird Kermit the Frog voice. <laughs> Director of Basketball Analytics and Development, Miami Heat. Oh, okay. There we go. So he became what made him. <laughs> <laughs> Smart man, right? <laughs> Is he responsible for finding Bam? Because... I, I thought that they overreached when they drafted him, but shows what the hell I know. <laughs> yeah, none of us knew, man. Bam is incredible. Was he playing with a torn rotator cuff for basically the whole finals? Is that what it was, do they think, or is it unclear? I thought it was strange shoulder. That's what you say when you're trying to stay on the court, I think. Yeah, true. Who knows? Um, all right, let me throw my 10 out there. Oh, this was a tough toss-up. <laughs> should I go with my controversial 10th pick, or should I just go with my traditional 10th pick? I want controversy. <laughs> 25 games of Antoine Jameson. <laughs> the homie. Love Antoine Jameson. He was traded to the Cavs halfway through the 09-10 season. He only played 25 games. But that year, the Cavs should have gone to the finals. Remember, they blew it against Orlando. I think LeBron missed those free throws. He had that weird arm thing. Yeah. And he was already in Miami in his head. But yeah. Jameson was probably the second best player on that team. He averaged 16, 8, and 1 and shot 49, 34% from shooting. Just saying, Anthony Jameson stretched the floor, 
played decent defense. He was a stretch four before stretch fours existed. Carl, I assume you want to jump on this because he has a Golden State pedigree. So he's part of that whole like part of our history that is blacked out. <laughs> is like, it because he's a North Carolina guy? It's because he's a North Carolina guy. Too. No, I mean like I just lived, I just have like all these fever dreams of him and Larry Hughes like just dribbling basketballs and taking bad shots like. <laughs> I, I just want to say Larry Hughes is on both of my lists, my Michael Jordan and my LeBron list. Honorable <laughs> mention. Oh, <laughs> well, my number 10 is Tristan Thompson. Okay. That was my traditional one. I mean, not, not exciting. Averaged eight and a half boards uh, in the four seasons with LeBron. Uh, could get you some putback baskets. Good for 10 and eight couple of blocks he was really good before he was one of those guys who really suffered from the kardashian curse wasn't he yeah well he kind of like well, reversed well, it because he started cheating on him like as soon as he <laughs> <laughs> so it's like he messed with the polarity of the, of the kardashian curse <laughs> so you just gotta be a scumbag you gotta out scumbag him to like make sure you don't like you know get that curse, right? Well, this is the biggest concern about Devin Booker's you know meteor mediocre oh wow meteoric rise is he's now linked up. So good luck to him. Yeah, fingers I mean, crossed. Man. With the Kardashian and he's done okay. Oh, bringing it back to Houston. <laughs> uh, Look, James Harden loved the strip clubs too much. He couldn't. He wasn't gonna let the Kardashians get too into him. Yeah, I feel like they thought it was a relationship, but Harden just thought it was like the two of them just know. hanging. <laughs> um, we got the other ten. B Tom, what was your ten? Oh, My ten was, was Thompson. Tristan Thompson. Carl, did you have one? Then where did we cover that? Yeah, I had Shane, Shai Battier there, and I was going to go on a big Duke rant, but B-Top beat me to it, man. Boom. I can't, I, can't rub, I can't rub it in his face since he picked him, you know. Before we move to Jordan, can I ask a question? How come neither of you picked uh, Kuzma or Ingram? Uh, Ingram was not terrible. <laughs> like terrible, LeBron huh? destroyed mean- Ingram that year. Okay, that year, Ingram and LeBron, Ingram averaged 18, 5, and 3, shot 50% from the field. I don't know. I just I just remember that poor child just getting destroyed by him. <laughs> so, I agree. I, I just I agree. felt like he wasn't – LeBron wasn't even in a space to be a good teammate last year. Like, he was just like, you know what? This is my gap year. I'm going to go out here and play. I'm not. I'm gonna miss the playoffs and then rest for a full off season for the first time in 14 years, and then I'm gonna come back next year refreshed. So that's Kuzma's out on that too. Same same sort of reasoning. Yeah, but Kuzma's also, also just not good. Yeah, <laughs> but he was last year. I, I don't Kuzma think he's a... 19, five and a half, and three on 46 percent shooting last year. I don't I think guess. he's terrible i i just find that he has delusions of grandeur about his talent and role in unfortunate uh situations i, I hate to say this because i now feel like i'm arguing about i actually 
I wasn't saying he should be. Those are just good numbers. I think he is terrible. <laughs> yeah. I think Kuzma, like Brandon Ingram could be really good, as we've seen. I yeah. think Kuzma is trash. Kuzma does I think this is recency, the recency bias for me, because it's like I haven't seen these old Cleveland guys in like 15 years, and I'm just like, oh, Carlos Boozer, that's oh, yeah. fun, but it's like, I just saw the Kuzma Ingram thing last year. I, I just saw it, man. I can't. I, I know what I seen. Fair enough. And I just had that last honorable mention was Larry Hughes. He just missed my cut. Oh, Larry Hughes. Who I hated in Chicago, but before he came to Chicago in Washington and Cleveland, he had some good years. He was entertaining in Philly. Yeah, yeah, and Philly. I mean, yeah. You're supposed to be a solid number two to uh to Iverson, and that well, uh, you know, it didn't really work out that way. But you know, the talent was yeah. there. For sure, he makes my Jordan list. I feel like my Jordan list is all bulls. <laughs> <laughs> well. I actually have to. He doesn't make my list list. He's honorable mention on mine, but I ha- I have a non bull making my list. I have two wizards on my list. <laughs> I I might steal one, but we'll see. <laughs> okay. All right. We're gonna start with number one. I mean, I feel like we should all have the same number one. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Scotty Pippen. Scotty. Scotty. Are we going to make time at the end of this to compare the two lists, or should I do that right now with Pippen and AD or Wade? Let's wait until the end. <laughs> okay, go ahead. All right, so number two, I got Dennis Rodman. I got Rodman. I have Rodman as well, but it really feels like Horace should have been there. Nah, man. Horace, Horace was the third best player on those early teams, and he was like – he just wasn't as good. He, he I, did he make a? I think he made an All Star game after he left. He was like a fourteen and ten kind of guy, which right. is so fine. I think like Dennis Rodman is remembered for more than being a specialist. Uh, and because I, the I best always specialist of all time. Sure. Like the best specialist in thirty years at that position. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm just saying, First there's, there's defense. See, now I'm stepping into your guys' house. But there's an argument that he wasn't even the third best player on some of those late 90s teams, right? Could have been Coop Coach. 95-96 Rodman was the, like, that year's Rodman was light years better than any grant we got. 96-97 and 97-98, I don't even need to make the case for it. You got to watch the last dance. That was Rodman. By that point, Rodman was barely paying attention and still effective, but... The last dance just further cemented his role as the number two best teammate because he was taking mental days off. He was going, instead of going to practice, he went and joined the NWO. (laughs) He hit Diamond Dallas Page with a chair when he was supposed to be running suicides. Like, number two, right there. I don't care. Horace Grant, you're number three, but... Yeah, I have granted three. I just was like, and watching well, Last Dance, all they do is shit on uh, Horace Grant. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. If you want to, you know, if you're talking about teammate in the sense that B-Town's been looking at it, Horace Grant certainly drops down as well. Because even though Rodman was a pain in the ass, Rodman was a warrior and was there for them. Right. Grant was almost certainly leaking information to the press. 
I remember he was always taking games off with, as a kid, I remember like the joke on him was that he would, he, you know, hangnail out 10 games, Horace Grant, that he was like super soft. And so, you know, I mean, Grant's obviously next on my list, but yeah. I think Rodman is, is, is the clear number two. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now who we got at four? Cause I feel like this is where things are about to start diverging here. I got cool coach. I got Ku coach, but I feel I I was borderline between him and someone else. Who do you have, Vitam? I got Ron Harper. Okay. No way. I went Ron Harper. Go. Okay, Ron Harper. And again, and this is using my teammate, you know, my teammate For theory sure. here. He was athletic swingman who, while his best scoring days were behind him, he was able to come in and be that defensive wing that could, instead of Jordan having to guard the second best peri- uh, wing player, Harper could slide over and do that. So Jordan could take a break on defense. Um, whereas I got Kukoc at, you know, is next up on my list. Um, you yeah, know, we know what Kukoc could do. Uh, stretch four when there weren't stretch fours. He was sixth man of the year. Great floor spacing, uh, but through no fault of his own, when he came in, a lot of tension. And everybody seems to love Ron Harper, so especially uh, Michael Jordan when he hit that shot over him. I was going to say, Michael Jordan definitely agrees with you. Kukoc does not make Michael Jordan's list, even in the top ten. And Ron Harper definitely does. It's interesting you picked him. I didn't even have him on my honorable mentions. Ron Harper. I got him at six. I, he's not. He's not even on my list because he didn't. It didn't register. Like when you're looking at, I was look at this point. I guess I'm looking at it statistically, but completely. But Ron Harper, by the t- I, don't, I don't even have his numbers in front of me. I mean, did he even get you double digit points? He could defend, but as a, my memory of it is. He gives you 15 minutes of that defense. So I think he was a great role player, but I don't necessarily role player teammate, but I don't think he was necessarily a great, like, again, I'm telling my kids in 20 years who are the best players he played with. That's what I'm thinking of. Ron Harper has not like come to mind for me. Let's see. This is where like, so when you said best teammates, I, that's what I took in. Like, so I'm but he averaged seven uh in his four years in chicago seven points three and a half boards two and a half assists so not overly impressive uh but you know like i said before uh let's see in the 95 96 playoffs arguably arguably the bulls best one of their best runs there uh he posted a 116 offensive rating and a 99 defensive rating like, so you know, the thing for me is like it's his minutes per game is I, I don't I, I don't disagree with this pick. The minutes per game is what gets me. And I thought it was lower than it was, but I'm looking at it now and I was thinking it was 15 to 20 minutes. But he averages in his Chicago in those three Chicago years, four Chicago years, he averages about 23 minutes a game. So that's more than I thought. So. Yeah, I have no problem with that. And when he's bringing that defensive intensity and taking that pressure off Jordan, I like that pick. I don't know. I, I, I'd probably put him on my list now that I'm thinking of him. I don't know if I'd have him as high, but makes sense. 
So then you have, so then your five is, is who coach then? Yes. Yeah, that was my five. Um, let's see, seven seasons, average 14 points a game in the playoffs, averaging 11, five and four. Um, in the last dance season, 13, four and three and shot 38% from the three point line. So, and I mean, he could handle the, the mental like meat grinder that was Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen hating your guts for no reason other than you getting chosen to come to Chicago. Yeah, he seems like a laid back, a laid back chill dude, which is the only way that can work. So. Yeah, I, I never realized how much I knew they hated him. I didn't realize they hated him like to the level that they did. And I'm all for petty dislike of someone and things. Uh, but I was like, come on, guys, y'all, you got to cut this guy some slack. Like, take it out on Reinsdorf, but don't, you know, and Prowse, but don't take it out on this guy. This guy didn't do anything. There were no, like, you couldn't go on Instagram or Twitter or nothing. There were no Instagram thoughts to go after. Like, all they had was fantasizing about revenge against these players they didn't like. And then those, and those two games up. over in the Olympics. Yeah. Um, wait, my number five is Oakley, and I almost put him at number four. Oh, I got him low, but I got him on the list. I got him on my list. I got oh. BJ. I don't know why. BJ's next I, honorable mention for me. But. <laughs> Last dance made him seem more important than he was. I mean, 15, 2, and 5, one season, that's what I got. I was doing the single season thing, so. Yeah, four yeah. leagues scoring the playoffs, average 11 and a half on 52% shooting. I mean, that's. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. Numbers. I, yeah. <laughs> Number Wait, can two. I say for Oakley real quick for oh, Oakley? I love Oakley. I think I this guy, it. I think this guy is before our time because by the time I was conscious of the Bulls as a kid, the stories about Oakley for my dad were like, you know, or in the news and whatever. It was like Oakley was this guy that protected Jordan. He was Jordan's best friend. He was Jordan's enforcer, and Jordan was super pissed when they traded him for Cartwright. But it was Cartwright was the right fit, and MJ didn't necessarily understand that at the time. But whatever. I never really looked at his numbers or anything, so I was looking through it today. 14 and a half and 13 with almost four assists. He had a season of that with Jordan. So not only was he slugging guys that were going after Jordan, he was putting up numbers. I mean, those are those are significantly better than Horace Grant's numbers, just to give you some context. And, and shooting percentages, everything across the board. So, you know. Maybe and he was also uh, just slapping Scottie Pippen for no reason whatsoever. So there's great that. hazer, great at hazing. Do you want to? Yeah, okay. If you want to call that great, <laughs> Scottie Pippen might changed. disagree with you. <laughs> anyway, sorry. We can move on. I just wasn't that story of Charles Oakley walking across the room and punching uh, Charles Barkley in the face at like a union meeting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, I don't know, how do you not love Charles right. Barkley? He also, like, I feel like he also uh, reinforced or introduced a lot of bad habits to Michael Jordan in regards oh, yeah. to gambling. Yeah. And Oh, yeah. He was the one who played. He's his original, like, card-playing buddy, I think. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Great teammate. Helped form MJ into what he was. So there you go. <laughs> Another solid argument. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I want to reference somebody, but I, go ahead. 
<laughs> I want to reference somebody that VTOM would know, but I don't want to say his name because this is going popular or this is going uh, online. But there was somebody at North Park who we we would um, say I know exactly that who you're talking about. You, you okay. don't even know. <laughs> destroy more careers right. than torn ACLs. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> what are we on six? I have Ron. I have Ron Harper at six. That's my six. I can't believe I missed him. I'm a moron. Well, I was doing the numbers thing and I started to like look at other things. And for Ron Harper on my list, I have no numbers next to his name. I'm just like Ron Harper. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> perfect. Uh, let's see here. So I'm at, uh, so I got my seven here. And I went with Steve Kerr. Yes. I went with Kerr. I got, I got Kerr too. I mean, a knockdown shooter. Uh, he hit 47.9% of his threes with the Bulls over uh, five different seasons. I mean, and he stood up to Michael Jordan. I mean, so Jordan, he earned Jordan's respect, which, again, bumps you up higher on the list. I, I can't even. I, I we missed we missed my six, but my six and seven oh. are Orlando Woolridge and George and the course of George Gervin. Now, see, I knew I knew you were gonna say Orlando Woolridge. That's why I went ahead and skipped you. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, is this right? Can I do? I know we're running out of time here, but I got a fifteen-minute thing about Orlando Woolridge that I want to cover. Oh my God! Uh, why don't you truncate it into a minute? <laughs> I, I'm going to check it into 10 seconds. I don't know anything about this guy. I didn't watch a single clip. I just saw he averaged 23 points on 55% shooting in Jordan's rookie year. So the, the team was apparently trash. I don't know. But, I mean, if Carl can tell us Andrew Wiggins isn't a bust, I could say Orlando Woolridge belongs on this list. I, I do have him on my list, actually. He's, yeah, he's eight for me. He's nine right, for me. Good. Now, wait, but let's talk about the, we don't have to talk about Orlando Woolridge. What about the corpse of George Gervin? How crazy is that? I've always heard about that, that he came here for his last year in the league. I honestly have, like, I honestly keep forgetting that that ever happened. Like, I didn't think that Jordan would even allow that after the supposed uh, freeze-out story at the All-Star game. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I put him at seven because he's George Gervin. I know it was at the end of his career, but it still feels, I mean, the guy still, I think he might've been an all-star. He averaged 16 a game, shot 47%, 90% on free throws. I mean, he's George Gervin, the ice man. He played here and he was relevant, I guess. So I had well, to have him on. Um, I'm really excited about my eight and nine. Okay. Because so... neither of them are, neither of them are bulls. Well, my eight was Charles Oakley, and we've already gone over the greatness of the Oak, so. Yes, love it. Now, who's your eight? Rip oh, I got, I got Woolridge. I got him on. He's my eight, too. Woolridge? Yeah, 22, five, and two. I was like, that's, that's a hell of a stat line. Yeah. Um, my eight is Rip Hamilton. Okay. Oh. Okay. Now, best teammates he played with, he certainly didn't win a championship with Rip Hamilton, but Rip Hamilton averaged 20 points a game that year on very good shooting numbers as he had his whole career. 
Mm-hmm. And then Jordan traded him for Stackhouse, who's my next person. Yeah, so. I got I got Stackhouse at night. <laughs> I'm I'm afraid I miss Stackhouse, and now I'm afraid that he's gonna come to my house and like punch me because <laughs> Stackhouse is known for bringing them hands. So I'm I'm scared now. <laughs> um, I, is, what are we not disqual like we're not disqualifying these wizards guys? I thought you guys would disqualify them out of no. hand, but you because his best teammates. No, and they, like, they the, played with him. I mean, yeah. I don't like to think of those years, but he wasn't terrible in those years at all. Like people no. like to act like he was a an old man who could barely get up and down the court. But nah. if we look at the numbers, <laughs> he yeah, was an he old shoot that bad average twenty two or something like that, and he led that team to the playoffs, didn't he? Uh, let's see. In his final. In his 38 year, uh, he was 38 years old. 0102 averaged 22.9. He had 5.2 assists, 5.7 uh, rebounds, 79% from the free throw line, 42% from the field, and oh boy, that three point percent. <laughs> yes. Now hold on, hold on. Those are Orlando Woolridge numbers right there. So. Give him some credit for that. That was a Woolridge season he put up there in his 38th year. And then at 39, he played all 82 games and averaged 37 minutes a night. 20 points a game, six boards, one and a half steals, half a block, five assists. I mean, that's fantastic. Okay. I mean, yeah, the, su- the surprising number there is only started 67 games. Yeah. Like, yeah. if he played in 82 and he was averaging 37 minutes and he was coming off the bench for, I mean, a good number of games. Yeah, I don't remember that. I don't remember. Yeah, I mean, most of us were zoned out at that point, but I'm just, that's a surprising number. To yeah. Me. <laughs> I mean, I was right in the midst of watching the baby bulls come together at that time. That was the Eddie Curry, Tyson Chandler situation lots of excitement lots of excitement in chicago i was was not very excited just because (laughs) i remember i saw eddie curry uh, and my chicago people will know exactly where this place is at ford city mall which is not a good mall Uh, eddie curry (laughs) after being drafted was at one of the kiosks uh buying up all of the fake jewelry there Uh, I have a local Eddie Curry story too. His senior year of high school, I went to see him play. I think with my dad took us to the Proviso tournament. Remember that tournament? Yeah. And we saw him play and he fouled out in 18 minutes in a high school game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He, and he big timed us. It was me and my buddy, uh, Ben Humanos. And we're like, Eddie Curry, like, you know, Hey, public league. What's up? You did it. And he like looked at us and then just kind of like looked his nose. Well, I mean, he was going to look down at us anyway, but like he looked down with us at, you know, looked down at us with disdain. And I was like, you son of a bee, you are at, you're at the bad mall on the South side of Chicago (laughs) buying cheap jewelry. I know you, I know you make more than this. (laughs) So that's my Eddie Curry story. Eddie Curry did not make my list. (laughs) We should have been paying more. We should have been fans of the Wizards. We would have had a better time. <laughs> uh, let's see. My number nine was Orlando Woolridge, which we went over. 
And my number 10, I was starting to run out of people here. So I just said uh, Stacy King because oh. why not? <laughs> I have oh. no statistical reason to do this. Eh. <laughs> I have a three-way tie, but I think I'm going to go with one. Not a three-way tie, but I had trouble with this as well. I think I'm going to go with Bill Cartwright here. Oh, that's a good one. So apparently before we were born, Bill Cartwright was like a rising star. And I think his knees gave out on him, but he made an all-star team early in his career and was averaging like 20 and 10. By the time it comes to us though, he had a 15 and eight season. That was before the year before the championship, I believe. And we talked about this with Oak, man. He was the guy that changed it. Like Jordan hated him and he hated Jordan, but he was the dude that like was the glue of that team. You saw in the last dance and- And they just, yeah. So I always loved Cartwright growing up. He was awkward. He had the big elbows. You know, he was a little goofy. Jordan was always mad at him. Balls would bounce off his face. You know, there was stuff like that. But he was a glue guy, man. So I put him at 10. What I remember about Bill Cartwright, and again, nothing to do with basketball, my mother to this day is in love with Bill Cartwright. I I feel like uh, if given the choice of hanging out with her only son and meeting Bill Cartwright, she would choose Bill Cartwright, rightfully so. I would also choose Bill Cartwright over hanging out with me, so. I'm on board with that. My understanding is he's a great guy. Everyone loves him, so, except Jordan, I guess, but that doesn't Well, mean. I mean, he didn't take any of Jordan's crap. Like, Jordan tried to bully him, and he basically told him, like, you try that with me, and I'll break your arm, <laughs> so. Carl, who you got in the 10 slot? Oak. I got Oak. You got That's Oak. why I slid him in. I I just want to put my honorable mention, Larry Hughes. Mm-hmm. Come on, average 13, 5, and 3 with Jordan in 0203. Larry Hughes makes both lists. Uh, if I had to come up with an honorable mention, I'll go with uh, Reggie Theus uh, because why not? <laughs> he was a superstar in the 80s. He was supposed to be. <laughs> um, do we have time for the comparison of teammates? Yeah, why not? I just want to say one thing, and if it opens up into a conversation, it can. This is what I was thinking. So I went through and did this whole exercise for both of them, and when I looked back at it, just looking at my chart and the numbers and the MVP shares and all-stars, Jordan only played with one all-star in his entire career. One all-star, Scottie Pippen. Horace Grant made an all-star game after he left. I think Rodman may have made one before he came there. That's it. Now, LeBron James played with seven all-stars in his career. Possibly, I mean, seven. Some of those but, guys. I mean, play. let's look at some of the all-stars, though. I mean, they were kind of watered down. Like, Zydrunas and Galskis, Mo Williams. Like, but we got to take, take it in the like, proper context, I feel. Zoom gods have smoked him. That's right. He flew too close to the sun. <laughs> and now the Zoom gods have said, no, you've talked enough time. <laughs> Did my, my internet cut off? Is that what you're yes, saying? Now you're, now, now you're back. Now you're back. You, you flew too close to the sun, Icarus. <laughs> Fine. Fine, fine, fine. I'm not, LeBron's teammates were worse than Jordan's. Fine. No, I think no I'm not arguing that at all. I'm not arguing that at all. I think that their teammates are actually closer in talent than 
people want to give it credit for, but because I don't know, maybe it's recency bias, like Killa said earlier. We think that, you know, everything from back in my day was, you know, it was tougher back then. It was blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it actually, it wasn't. It's closer than, than we actually think. I agree. And I think, I think that's a great point. It, 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 if you look at Jordan's career, in the, it, it mirrors LeBron's career in terms of teammates and some, because the first seven or eight years of his career, the, the thing was, Jordan's a scorer. I mean, that was LeBron's thing, but Jordan's a great player, but he can never win, and he doesn't have that great teammates. And then the second half of his career, it's like Pippen, Grant, Rodman, Coach, all these guys are so good. And if you look at LeBron, we're still kind of close to that first half of his career, where we literally spent half of our time on his list making fun of how bad his teammates were. I feel like people doing that about Jordan in 1996 would have done the same thing because then when you cross into the teens decade, now you're talking about A.D., Wade, Kyrie, Kevin Love, Chris Bosh, five of the better players of this decade. Yeah. So, and Jordan, I mean, once you get past Pippen, you don't have any real, I mean, Rodman I'll put in there, but Grant's a borderline all-star, and then that's it. The bottom sort of drops out after that for Jordan. Pippen's an all-timer, certainly, but that's it. Yeah, no, just wanted to say it's not as stark a difference as it seems from yeah, the narrative. Yeah. And what I think MJ is the GOAT, but like I said when we started this, I can't stand like just statistical, like just just being ignorant of the statistics. And when presented with the statistics, just going, well, it was tougher back then. Like it wasn't as talented back then. I, I believe that we're currently in the most talented era of basketball that we've ever seen. And then in 20 years, we'll be in the most talented era of basketball that we've ever seen. And it'll keep getting better and better and better. Like, that's just how it is. So people don't want to admit that. They just want to say back in my day, it was it was better because, yeah. Well, well, eventually we'll get to like the, the Bill Russell thing, right? Where it's like Bill Russell was the GOAT for everybody. And then he's been gone from the league long enough that people are like, it's just your dad who remembers. <laughs> Where it's like, yeah. you know, those folks in their 60s are like, Bill Russell, though. What about Bill Russell? And it's like, but they're all, you know, it's, it's not anymore. So I wonder if that'll happen with Jordan, too, where people will just get old enough where they'll be like, yeah, I've seen him fist bumping and shooting those turnaround jumpers. But like. LeBron was clearly better, right? Like, so, but not to do this all, we all know that it's the top two now, right? Is there any, it's unassailable that it's Jordan and LeBron, right? To me, yeah. I feel like the only other person that you can argue is Kareem. I feel like Kareem has the greatest basketball resume of all time. Uh, So he's the only other person that has has a claim to the throne. Well, again, this goes to like our conversation here. I think it's two different conversations. Ghost is like the most dominant player of all time. And I think Jordan, in my mind, still edges out LeBron for like peak Jordan is better than peak LeBron. But the best basketball career, it's between that's where LeBron, Kareem, Jordan, and Russell all are like. I can't differentiate between them when you look at the resumes, especially LeBron doing this for so long and Kareem doing it for so long. Whereas yeah, George, like, I think it's clearly a, a level above and LeBron's above those other guys. Yeah, when you go like, when you're just talking straight up resume, 
I I don't think that there is any comparison to Kareem. And I'm not just saying that because I share a name with the man. Like he, I'm going to pull it up here. And I don't know if I have enough time to read off everything that the man has done. Let's see here. We've got six-time NBA champion, two-time finals MVP, six-time MVP, 19-time All-Star, 10-time All-NBA first team, five-time second team, five-time All-Defensive first team, six-time second team, rookie of the year, all-rookie team, scoring champ, rebound, blocks leader, uh, three-time NCAA champion, three-time most outstanding player, three-time college player of the year, three-time All-American, two-time Mr. Basketball, won a Presidential Medal of Freedom, two-time NBA champion as an assistant coach. That's insane. Yes, yes. and he has the, the most trademark shot of all time. Yeah. Yeah, and completely non-defensible. It's, it's the best trademark. It's the best trademark shot of all time as well as the most well, identified. They changed the rules. <laughs> Like when they change the rules because you're so dominant and then you come back the next year and you dominate more so, like that's that's some next level stuff right there. So on your list of, go on your GOAT list, if you don't have to, I mean, this doesn't mean you're against it, but are you saying that, uh, how, does your go how does your top four GOAT list look then? Because you, uh, you just went on a Kareem thing and I love them too, but. Yeah, I go Jordan, LeBron, Kareem. Okay. Like, that's that's my three. Is there anything LeBron can do to change that in the next three or four years? See, here's where it's. I feel like I'm going to be irrational or maybe even hypocritical because I don't think that there is because I'm also, when I think of GOAT, I think about the game of basketball as a whole. So it's his impact is, Jordan's impact is global. So while I think that on the court, LeBron may eventually be the superior player, he, he could probably be, he, I think that's something that could be said statistically that he could eventually pass Jordan as the, as the statistical guy. But impact on the game, I think that, I don't think there's anything that LeBron could do to catch Jordan in that regard. Yeah, and LeBron's LeBron huge thing is, is player agency, right? Yeah. Like, he, he blew the doors off of free agency, and, like, KD wouldn't have done what he did. Kawhi wouldn't have done what he did. Like, and like it or not, he he freed the labor, right? It's like, you you don't just have to stay with one team. So, like, he rewrote that book, and, like, and he has been active on social media, on social issues. He has spoken out. So, it's like, once you start talking about that, and that's where him and Kareem are kind of, more yeah. similar right where it's like jordan was like you know i donated to the right candidates right wasn't that how they talked about in the documentary i just didn't want to endorse him because i don't know him. but so i think it, it gets mucky right but i don't know yeah i've always well, said I like think, oh no go ahead i was gonna say i think we all like lebron more right yeah so that's yeah. all i was gonna say but i like <laughs> jordan's competitiveness too though like sure. if i want somebody to win me a game I, who else are you picking <laughs> right right so and what are we talking about <laughs> yeah i like right. that i like that lebron enjoys himself when he plays the game like with jordan it what always i was always curious about how his second act was gonna go like because if he wasn't destroying someone else 
like how could he find joy and it seems like now in his old age he's kind of coming around to like seeming like he's enjoying things like as um we saw at the of the kobe funeral where he's cracking jokes about the crying jordan meme like i feel like 10 years ago he tries to find out who was the first person to make that meme and he tries to destroy them in some some way <laughs> Like now he's in on the joke. Rough couple decades for MJ, but yeah, I hope he's back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it it look it from the outside looking in, he's being more vocal on social issues. He's he's seemingly has a relationship with his grandchildren. Like he's he seems like he's learning how to be a human after so being like it. a soulless <laughs> like basketball destruction machine for the majority of our lives. <laughs> right, so you're saying he's not Carl Malone. Oh, there's nothing he could do to be as bad as Carl Malone. In fact, I kind of want to do a podcast that's just an hour of me shitting on Carl Malone. <laughs> because I hate him and it wouldn't be long enough. It can't be described. We don't have enough time for me to go over how much I hate Carl Malone. That was my one quibble with the last dance. It wasn't. It was too much Patrick Ewing getting shitted on, and not enough Carl Malone getting shitted on. At least Jordan ruined his career. That should make you feel good. Yeah, that that probably I probably slept better that night as a thirteen-year-old, knowing that Carl Malone, in the biggest moment of his career, not only missed a free throw, but he also turned the ball over to Michael Jordan, who then hit the game-winning shot. That was just, mm, I wish I could bottle that feeling up. His <laughs> failure fueled me. <laughs> uh, screw Carl Malone. Oh, God, I hate that guy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I think we got, man, we've been going for like an hour and a half here just destroying things. I got, I got, an, I got another hour or two in me. If you guys are up, <laughs> don't. I'm washed, man. I'm washed. <laughs> oh man, I don't know that struggle of trying to get a three-year-old to take a bath and get ready for bed, man. That that tires you out. Nah, I don't know any of that struggle. See, I got the six-year-old that just keeps coming out of the room now. <laughs> Can he hear us or just you? Well, what do you mean? Can he hear us or just you with the headphones in? Oh no, he's fine. He like I'm just saying in general. Like I told him, I was like, "Yo, Dad's got a call. Don't come out the room." And he actually didn't come out the room. So no gold star, man. There we These go. kids are listening. <laughs> and this has been Dad Talk. <laughs> uh, Hot take: Kids are the worst. The non-dad on this group. Whoa! I mean, whoa! <laughs> You know, hey, I love your kids. They they look great in your houses. Ninety percent hard work, ten percent the best time of your life. <laughs> hey, that's that, is, that is a formula that I can get on board with. <laughs> <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> uh, I'm kidding. I love your kids. Yeah, good I, answer. Good answer. <laughs> well, gents, I say we wrap this up. I'm going to go and catch up on Lovecraft Country while everybody oh else in my God. house sleeps. <laughs>
Are you I, are you just on the recent episode? Are you caught yeah, up? I gotta watch last week? night's episode. Oh my god, it is not gonna put you in the mood to go to bed. Have a great time. <laughs> <laughs> it is so good and it is so dark. All right, I can't wait now. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Bye.